Hello, friends. Welcome to Resting Church Face, a podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Allen, and this is episode 23. And this week, we are going to talk about the books that I read this spring. So sit back, relax, make some room on your bookshelves, and let's discuss. So I read 17 books this spring, and I kind of bounced around all different kinds of genres. So we're just going to go through all the books in the order that I read them. And then once again, there will be no spoilers, because I really believe that books are enjoyed the most when you really don't know all that much going into them. So I'll give you just kind of a bare bones plot to get you hopefully interested in the book, but not enough of the plot to spoil any of the good twists and turns that might happen in the story. Okay, let's get started. So let's start with the books that I read in April. The first book I read was The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave. This was advertised as a thriller, but I disagree with that. I don't think it is a thriller. It's more of a family drama. And so I think if you know that going into the story, you're probably going to enjoy it more. I didn't enjoy it as much, I think, because I went into it thinking it was going to be a thriller, and it really isn't. The story centers around a woman named Hannah, who has been married to this guy named Owen for about a year. And Owen has a 16-year-old daughter named Bailey, and Hannah and Bailey don't really get along all that well. But Hannah wakes up one morning, and Owen has just completely disappeared. The company that he works for has been raided by the FBI, and so everybody thinks that Owen has done something wrong and has just taken off. But Hannah has a really hard time believing that because she just doesn't think he's that kind of guy. And then she finds out that Owen has left a duffel bag full of cash in Bailey's locker at school and a note that says, protect her. And she realizes that the her in the note is Bailey, that she is supposed to protect Bailey. So the majority of the book is about Hannah and Bailey kind of setting off together to figure out what happened to Owen. Why has he disappeared? Where did he go? Why did he leave? And it sounds in the description like it would be a thriller, but it's just not. There really isn't anything that makes you feel like on the edge of your seat. It's a pretty leisurely paced story. It's still interesting. And when you find out why he has disappeared and all of the things that kind of come together at the end, it still makes for an interesting story and it's a good book. But I think it would be much better if you knew that going into it, that it's not really a thriller. There is also a miniseries that they have released on Apple TV starring Jennifer Garner, which I have not seen. I don't really know anything about it. But I will say, I think the book is a pretty good book. Um, I think if you enjoy family dramas and you enjoy um, reality and kind of gritty truths, this is a book for you. Okay, book number two I really liked. It's called Daisy Darker. It's by Alice Feeney. And this is a locked room mystery. So it's a mystery sort of in the vein of And Then There Were None by Agatha Christie. So everybody is in one place, and when people are dying, you know that it has to be somebody in the house because there's no other way for anybody else to get in, if that makes sense. So it's one of those mysteries, and it's done so well. It is about a girl named Daisy Darker. She's the narrator of the story. And when she was a little girl, her grandmother became famous because she wrote a series of books where Daisy was the character. So they're children's books named the Daisy Darker series. And... Every year, her family comes back to their grandmother's house, and it's kind of, it's in England on this kind of like a little island of its own. So the tide comes in, and if the tide comes in, you're stuck in the house. So you have to either row out in a boat, and then you have to wait until the tide goes back out so you can walk back out if you want to leave. So they go to their uh, grandmother's house for her birthday, and at midnight, somebody dies in the family. 
And then at the stroke, every hour, somebody else dies. So the whole family is there and you start to find out that everybody in the family is just pretty deeply unlikable, <laughs> but they all have a motive to kill somebody in the family. Everybody has a secret that they don't want to be found out. So I really enjoy this. The twist at the end of this one is very different than most twists for mysteries. I did figure it out maybe midway through the book, but it didn't lessen the effectiveness of the twist. So if you like a good Agatha Christie type mystery, I think you'll really like this one. This is also the kind of book that I feel like is really fun to read on like a stormy night, if that makes sense. Like a stormy night with a fireplace or candles and a, and a blanket. And I know that we're coming into summer, but I still feel like it would work at any time of year. But it's just one of those good mystery stories. So that's Daisy Darker by Alice Feeney. Book number three is something that I wouldn't normally read because it's about a shark. <laughs> Let's just say this. I am completely terrified of sharks. I saw Jaws in the 80s and it affected my entire life. I do not venture in the ocean past my knees. And in fact, I really am not a big fan of even lakes because I really don't like not knowing what is below me, in front of me, beside me, above me. I just, pools are the way to go for me. So I'm really afraid of sharks, but at the same time, I'm also fascinated by them. I really like Shark Week on the Discovery Channel and I like documentaries about sharks and you know, I, I watch the shark attack videos and I'm always really, really thankful it's not me. I don't know. It just gives me like a weird thrill. So I don't know how to explain it. It is what it is. So I read, I'm gonna, I'm actually going to put both of these books three and four together because one of them is more a novella and it's like a prequel to this book. So the book, it, book number three is Meg by Steve Alton. And then the next book is Meg Origins, also by Steve Alton. So Meg is the actual novel, and then the novella is Meg Origins, kind of the prequel to that one. When I first started reading this book, I didn't realize that it actually is the book that the movie Meg that came out a few years ago was based on. I just thought it was a different book. But it is about a scientist who discovers that the megalodon shark, you know, the huge, you know, the behemoth sharks the size of a cruise ship, um, are still alive and well in the Mariana Trench. So he takes this submersible down into the Mariana Trench. And in the beginning of the book, you find out that he had had kind of a nervous breakdown and had been in the Mariana Trench and had come up really fast with two other scientists. And it ended up killing the other scientists. And he claimed that he had seen a megalodon. Nobody believes him. They think he just, he had been awake for a really long time. And they think he just hallucinated the whole thing. And then he goes back down for another experiment. He's he's convinced to go back down again. And sure enough, there is a megalodon. And it makes its way to the surface. And then it's like a jaw story where it just starts attacking everything. I will say this. It is so much fun to read this book. I mean, the deaths are over the top awful. Like people are being eaten left and right. I mean, this, this shark is out for blood, literally. It's killing everybody. But it feels like watching a Jaws movie. You're just, <laughs> you, you're, you're into it. But I, I will say also the science behind it, the way that he kind of melds the story with the science is oddly effective. It's pretty good. And then Meg Origins is sort of the backstory. It tells the story of how the main character um, 
saw the first Megalodon that it really did happen. So it's a pretty short, I would say it's more a novella than a book. So if you like campy shark <laughs> related ocean um, terror type stories, this is definitely a, a, the books for you. So that again is Meg and Meg Origins by Steve Alton. Okay, book number five is called The Hollow Ones by Guillermo del Toro and Chuck Hogan. So Guillermo del Toro is probably most famous for being a really, really good director of movies. So he made Pan's Labyrinth, um, The Shape of Water, which won the Academy Awards, tons of other movies. He also made um, the scariest movie I have ever seen to this day, which is called The Devil's Backbone, which I think is actually playing on Max. It's a Spanish dubbed movie, but it is terrifying. So this book is about the occult, kind of, in, in a kind of different way. It's about this FBI agent named Odessa, who is responding to a domestic violence call um, for this guy that they had been kind of monitoring. She and her partner show up to the house. And when they get to the house, she ends up having to shoot her partner because he just starts acting crazy suddenly. And he's trying to hurt the victims <laughs> of the domestic abuse case. And so she has to actually kill him to get him to stop and to keep him from killing them. But when she kills him, she claims that she sees something come out of his body, like a mist. And she tells that to the other FBI um, investigators and they, you know, of course, think that she's having a mental issue. They take her off the case. They kind of, they suspend her for a while. And she starts to look into the guy that they had been investigating and starts to find out that he had been involved with some stuff. And then, long story short, it ends up being that she gets in touch with this guy named Hugo Blackwood who has maybe been alive for a very long time. And he's a good guy, sort of. So I'll just, I'll leave it there. I will say this is a very violent book. So if you are triggered by that kind of stuff, like he, Guillermo del Toro and Chuck Hogan are not afraid to kill off people that you don't think that they would kill off. They will do it. But the book reads like a really good movie. Like it, it feels like you're watching a movie, if, if that makes sense. So it's a really fast-paced book. I really tore through it pretty fast. It's the first one in a series, so they haven't released the second one. But I definitely will be reading that one when it comes out. So The Hollow Ones by Guillermo del Toro and Chuck Hogan. So book number six is not something that I anticipated enjoying as much as I did, mainly because I didn't really know much about the author until I read the book. The book is Becoming Free Indeed, My Story of Disentangling Faith from Fear by Ginger Duggar Volo with Corey Williams. So Ginger Duggar Volo is one of the children um, from the TLC show. I think if they got up to like, I think it's like 19 kids and counting about this family of uh, really a certain sect of Christianity, and really, honestly, I mean, it's a cult. And Ginger Duggarvolo kind of makes this pretty clear. Um, but they had a show on TLC, you know, they believe, they don't believe in birth control. Everybody wore, you know, women couldn't wear pants, they couldn't cut their hair. I mean, it was a whole long list of things. And I never watched this show when it was on TLC. I had met people like this, you know, with my parents in their ministry when we would travel to different churches. I recognized a lot of the characteristics in that family when I would see clips on television from kids that I met in the ministry. There were kids when um, 
we would go to different churches that, you know, they weren't allowed to wear jeans. The girls weren't. They weren't allowed to do this. They weren't allowed to do that. And I can just remember thinking, hmm, that's different. And when I would watch this show, it kind of gave me that same feeling. I just felt sorry for them because it was such a strict religious interpretation of the Bible that didn't really leave any room for any kind of creativity. I felt like women were kind of kept in a certain place. And I felt like it must be hard to be in that family. And this book is such a brave story. And I I don't use that in a cliche way. This took a lot of guts for her to write this story. And, you know, sometimes you read a book like this and it's one of those tell-all things. And you get the sense that the person writing it really just, you know, wants their minute of fame. But I do not feel like this about this book because she is so respectful of her family. She does not dive into salacious gossip. You truly get the sense that she has come out of a religious cult, really, and didn't realize it until she was really out of it, but realized so, she realized how harmful some of the teachings that she had been taught, the things that she had been led to believe were in her life, and she wants to help people. She wants to help people that are still caught in that system. Um, And I just, I really appreciated her candor, and again, how respectful she was to her family. I really thought that the way that she talked about the conclusions she came to about her faith were really well-researched and well-thought-out, and I really liked the book. I liked the honesty. She doesn't sugarcoat a lot of things. She doesn't make herself sound better than she she is. She's human, and she talks about her family as being human. Um, yeah, so I really, I would recommend it to anybody that is just interested in their family, but also anybody that, you know, has some questions about faith, because I feel like it's just a really good book in general. So again, that is Becoming Free Indeed by Ginger Duggar Wolo with Corey Williams. Book number seven is The Life Council, 10 Friends Every Woman Needs by Laura Tremaine. Laura Tremaine used to host a podcast that I really liked called 10 Things to Tell You. And I enjoyed this book because it kind of reads like an extension of her podcast and that she writes in the way she speaks. And I really appreciate that. And I like that. This book is about the different types of relationships and friendships that women really do need in their lives. And we've talked a little bit about this on the podcast, but how do you break up with a friend? How do you find friends that challenge you? Um, How do you strengthen friendships in middle age or in adulthood? So it's just a really enjoyable book. And it really did make me think about the type of friends that I have and make me really grateful for those. And also it made me want to seek out some other different kinds of friendships that I you know, don't have at the moment. So yeah, I really enjoyed this. So that's The Life Council by Laura Tremaine. Okay, so this next book I did not enjoy. I wanted to, and I feel like I should, but it just did not grab me. So the book is Enchantment, Awakening Wonder in an Anxious Age by Catherine May. This has all of the on paper, it should work for me characteristics. It's about noticing things in your everyday life that make you feel like the title says, Enchanted. And when I started to read this, I was hoping it was more in the vein of how C.S. Lewis talks about how, you know, there's always something that will grab you as magical and the person next to you doesn't see it. And they're just like, what? And you're like, do you not understand how great this is? I thought it was going to be a book kind of like that, you know, noticing things in everyday life that just suddenly will grab you. But it's not. This book 
is more of a navel gazing, um, wooey wooey <laughs> um, type of book. Uh, there's really no other way to explain it. It's very new agey. And, you know, if you're into that, that's fine. But it's not what I thought the book was going to be. And I don't feel like it was advertised in that way. Um, so it was just kind of a disappointment. And I just honestly got bored with the book pretty quickly. Luckily, it was a really short book, so it didn't take me long to read, and I, I did just finish it. But the author began to kind of get on my nerves because it's very whiny. <laughs> and again, very, uh, let's get out these crystals and talk about uh, yoga poses, and eh, yeah, it's just not my thing. But if you are into that, then you will probably like that. But that is Enchanted by Catherine May. Book number nine is Who Do I Think I Am? Stories of Chola Wishes and Caviar Dreams by Angela Johnson Reyes. Angela Johnson is a comedian who is pretty well known. She's really well known for her nail salon routine that she did. And she also had a character on Mad TV called Bonquiqui. But she is a really great stand-up comedian. She's also known as a Christian comedian. She, tra she has traveled to churches and and. Um, kind of done that circuit, but she is very good friends with a lot of really well-known comedians who are not Christian comedians. And I think it's fascinating that someone with a very strong Christian testimony can still maintain friendships with people who are pretty outspoken that they are not um, believers. And I don't mean that I find it fascinating because I don't think that people of the Christian faith can't be friends with non-believers, like it's impossible. That's not true. I mean, Jesus was the perfect example of someone who walked on all sides. He walked that line. He was friends with everybody. I just think that it's rare because today it's hard to be outspoken about your faith and also maintain healthy friendships with people who disagree with you because I think society pits us against each other. And it's really unfortunate, but it speaks well of someone's character that they can maintain their faith and maintain friendships because it means that they are welcoming and kind and people like them. And again, I feel like that's what Jesus was like. I mean, he was someone who was approachable and kind and funny and normal. And that's the best thing about this book. She's so normal. I enjoyed it so much. You know, a lot of times I will read books by Christian authors and I will leave feeling guilty because they come across so sanctimonious and holy that I feel like I am just not good enough, right? But this kind of convicted me in a different way. And it's, you know, a lot of what this podcast is about. And it's that you can totally be yourself and still attract people to you and be able to tell them about Jesus without being weird and being, you know, unapproachable and, you know, just living on the fringes of society. You can be a normal person. And I really enjoyed the fact that she was very honest about her struggles with her faith, the things that she has messed up with, the things she's trying to do better, you know. And I also enjoyed just learning about her life, about how she started um, as a cheerleader, then worked her way up through Hollywood to be a really famous comedian. Just super enjoyable. So I highly recommend this book, Who Do I Think I Am by Angela Johnson Reyes. And then the last book I read for April was the book that my sister wrote, Same God, New You by Holly Jo Flora. If you haven't listened to episode 19 where we talk about the book, you can go back and listen to that. But it is a devotional for women, all types of women in all walks of life. It is available everywhere books are sold. It's doing so well. I'm so proud of her. And I would really encourage you to buy it if you haven't already. 
And again, that is Same God, New You by Holly Jo Flora. The first book I read in May was Wrong Place, Wrong Time by Jillian McAllister. This book was so good. It is such a great mystery. It has a little bit of sci-fi in it, um, has some really good twists at the end. So it is about a woman who is at home on Halloween night, and she sees that her 18-year-old son is coming down the driveway towards their house. And she also sees a man approaching from the other side of the street. And as she's watching, horrified, she sees her son stab this man to death for seemingly no reason. She and her husband are completely shocked. They go to the police station. You know, they've arrested her son. He won't tell them why he did it. And when she falls asleep that night, she's completely heartbroken. But when she wakes up the next morning, it's the day before. And so every time that she goes to sleep, she goes back another day or maybe a couple of weeks or a couple of years. And you realize that she's going backwards. And each time that she comes to in another period of time, she finds something else out about why her son may have done what he did and how she can possibly stop it. I liked this book for a lot of reasons, um, mainly because sometimes when I read a book like this, and it has that kind of sci-fi element. Sometimes when they get to the end, I feel like the author just doesn't quite know what to do, what to do to wrap it up. But not in this case. Jillian McAllister wraps it up so well and ties up all of the loose ends in such a way that you are completely satisfied and also leaves you a little bit of a teaser for maybe another book. I'm not sure. But I just really enjoy this. So if you like a twisty-turny psychological thriller with a little bit of supernatural elements in it. Um, not scary at all, just really interesting. I think you'll love this book. So that's Wrong Place, Wrong Time by Jillian McAllister. Book number two was The Collective by Allison Galen. This is a really dark, chilling mystery. It's about a woman named Camille Gardner who has been divorced from her husband, and you find out at the beginning of the book that she lost a child um, a few years ago. Her daughter, I believe she's 15, had died in some kind of murky circumstances, and there is someone to blame um, who got away with it. And Camille has just not been able to come to terms with the fact that no one paid for what happened to her daughter when they should have. And she's just kind of in a spiral. She's just not doing well. And she joins this Facebook support group that someone gives her a card for, and as she begins to kind of delve into this Facebook support group, she finds there's kind of a subgroup called The Collective. And what it really is, is it's women that are coming together and they, between themselves, are kind of doing vigilante justice. And so each of them will play a part in bringing someone to justice that should have been convicted but wasn't. So they will kind of all band together to murder the person that they feel responsible for the death of someone they loved. So each one of them takes part in it so nobody really knows who did what, if that makes sense. So at first Camille really loves this and then she kind of starts to realize that maybe the collective is not operating in the most honest way. And so I'll leave it at that. I will warn you that this deals with a lot of dark subject matter. Um, there's suicide, there is um, rape, there is death, deaths of children. 
Um, it doesn't really shy away from that kind of a subject matter. So if that's something that you have a hard time with, you probably won't like this book. And again, it is a very dark book. It ends in a very um, bleak manner, I would say. But it's a very, very well-written novel, and it really kept me um, interested the whole time. So that's The Collective by Allison Galen. The next book was The Angel Maker by Alex North. So I am... I'm currently reading another novel by Alex North right now, and it is fantastic. And maybe it's just the comparison between the two. I feel like this one is a little bit weaker. Still a good mystery, but I much prefer the one I'm reading right now. But The Angel Maker is about a girl who, when she was a teenager, because she didn't walk her brother home from school, she feels like she decided not to walk him home from school one day, and her little brother got attacked by... um someone who was mentally unstable and who disfigured his face. And she has felt unbelievably guilty about this her whole life. And her brother ended up having a drug problem and she hasn't seen him in several years. And then she finds out from her mother that he had gotten his life back together, but he has gone missing and his, her mother is very concerned. And at first she doesn't really think too much about it because this is kind of his MO. This is how he usually operates. But his mother insists that he had gotten his life together and that this is different. He is missing. They need to find him. And so the sister really starts to look into what had been going on with her brother. And it's also juxtaposed with a murder that happened of an elderly man who had um, a lot of secrets. And you realize that the brother and the disfigurement when he was a kid and this man that was murdered, they all kind of tie into the same story. And it all centers around this former child serial killer. Um, he wasn't a child who was a serial killer, but it was a serial killer who killed children um, years before. And that they all have something in common. And it kind of, at the end of the book, kind of brings them all together into one location and one uh, climactic ending. I enjoyed it. It was a pretty, it's a, it's a good mystery. It wasn't my favorite. I felt like it could have been a little bit better. Again, like I said, I'm reading a book by Alex North that I really like. So I think he's a good author. Um, I just don't think this was his best one, but it is a good standard mystery. So again, that's The Angel Maker by Alex North. Book number four is People Like Her by Ellery Lloyd. So this book is a mystery, but it's really interesting because it's so relevant. It's about an Instagram influencer named Emmy Jackson, who started this um, Instagram account about how she's a mom, she's an honest mom, and she tells it like it is and how it's not always easy. But you realize really quickly that Emmy really exaggerates the truth. She is all about the Instagram uh, stories, and she'll create things. She um, schedules her posts. She kind of neglects her children in favor of Instagram. There's a scene where, you know, her daughter is in the hospital and she starts taking pictures of her just in case that might make a good Instagram post. She's kind of that person. So you really don't like her, <laughs> to be honest. She's a very unlikable protagonist. Her husband is having a hard time. He's a former um, best-selling author who has kind of taken a back seat to her career. They have two children. They have a three-year-old and they have a, a newborn. And the whole time that they're narrating the story, because it kind of shifts between Emmy and her husband in the narration, his name is Dan. There's an unnamed narrator who you know hates Emmy, and you find out why later on in the book. 
and you know that she has decided she's going to kill her. <laughs> That's the, the end game. And you don't know who this woman is. And I started reading this book. It felt very lighthearted, kind of like a commentary on how vapid and um, not realistic these Instagram people are, these influencers are. But then it takes a turn in like the middle of the book and it gets really intense. It's a really well done mystery. The ending is super, super chilling. I actually went, when it was over because it just, it ends so well. I really recommend it. Um, so yeah, if, if you are interested in the behind the scenes of how these Instagram influencers operate and how a lot of times what you think you're seeing is absolutely not what's actually going on and how they can influence people to do maybe some not good things and maybe, you know, they should be held accountable for that, not by being murdered, but you know, there is a sense of responsibility. So I recommend it. People Like Her by Ellery Lloyd. Book number five is kind of hard to classify. So it's called To Rise Again at a Decent Hour by Joshua Ferris. It is about a dentist named Paul O'Rourke, who is this very regimented type of person. He um, doesn't like his cell phone. He doesn't like social media. He loves the Red Sox. Um, He is an atheist, but also would love to be part of a religion. (laughs) So he will date people and he'll find like he dated a girl that was uh, Jewish and he became obsessed with the Jewish faith, not because he believed in God, but because he just really wanted to belong to something. But it's really offensive to the girl and her family that this guy is so into being Jewish, but also doesn't believe what they believe. So he's just kind of at a crossroads in his life where he's just not really happy Uh, This girl has broken up with him because of the way that he was with her family. And somebody begins to impersonate him online. So it starts with someone starting a website for his practice that he did not create. And then this person creates a Facebook profile and a Twitter profile. And the thing that really begins to bother Paul is that the online version of Paul, the the imposter version, is way more likable. (laughs) And he begins to kind of become obsessed with the online version of himself and how it's a better person. But this book kind of makes you think about why do we believe what we believe, especially in a religious sense? Are we following our faith? Like, are we practicing our faith because we actually believe it? Or is it because our families taught us to believe it? So it really does make you think about that question. Do you believe in God or do you believe it because your family raised you to believe that way? Or are you part of a a faith practice because you want to belong? Um, So it's just, it's some really interesting and deep questions. It's really funny. I will say this, um, just one caveat. There is some really strong language in this. Um, So I kind of hesitate to recommend it fully just because of that. But the story and the writing is really, really well done. I laughed out loud several times and it made me think. And it's a story that I've thought about since I finished it several times. So that is To Rise Again at a Decent Hour by Joshua Ferris. Book number six is just a straight up horror novel. It is called Where the Dead Go to Die by Aaron Dries and Mark Allen Gunnels. So it's a zombie novel, but it's different 
than most zombie novels that I've read in that it's about a zombie hospice, which sounds so stupid, but it really is scary. Um, it is about a nurse who works at this hospice. Her husband had died a few years before. He had been bitten by someone who was a zombie. They don't call them zombies. They call them smilers or bone eaters. And again, you've heard this trope several times. But, you know, it's a pandemic that starts. Um, it's a virus. If you get bitten, there is no cure. And the people that are bitten eventually do lose all sense of themselves. And they are driven by their need to eat bones. <laughs> and as I'm saying this out loud, I mean, it just sounds dumb. But it works when you're reading the book. So this woman has a daughter who's around nine years old. She works at a hospice for people that have been infected. And so they try to give them some sort of dignity in the end of their life. Um, and then, of course, you know, they have to put a, a bolt through their head when they die to keep them from reanimating. Um, so... This book, I, I cannot give it a, like a glowing recommendation because the people are so stupid in this story. It makes me angry, um, especially the children in the story. One child in particular does things that like, I know you may be a child, but you're also an idiot. <laughs> so it's hard to root for them. You're kind of like, well, I could have told you that was going to happen. Um, and then the other thing that I can't, the other reason I can't really endorse it is that there's a lot of graphic uh, bedroom scenes that happen more like towards the end of the novel that kind of come out of nowhere. And you're like, what, what? And I did not enjoy that. And it really did kind of rip you out of the moment in a, in a very jolting and jarring way. I think it's the only time. So there are two authors to this book. And I felt like it was the only time that I really noticed that there are two authors because it felt like one of them was more heavy on that stuff. The other one wasn't and it felt disjointed. Um, but I will say it is extremely scary. I am pretty hard to scare. I, I like scary stuff. I, I don't get scared easily by movies or books, but there were a few portions of this book that really made me get the, the chills. I mean, cause it is a little spooky. Um, especially when things begin to happen at the hospice and people might be trapped there. So that's all I'll say. But again, that is Where the Dead Go to Die by Aaron Dries and Mark Allen Gunnels. And then the last book I read in May was The Maid by Nita Prose. I really liked this book. It is about a girl who is a maid at a very swanky hotel in Manhattan. Her name is Molly. She is on the spectrum. They never actually say that she is on the autism spectrum, but it is apparent that she is. She has a hard time um, recognizing social cues or facial expressions. She trusts people implicitly when they tell her things. She takes everything at face value, does not get sarcasm, um, but she loves her job. She loves being a maid. She loves the order. She loves restoring things to a perfect sense of unity, and she just really enjoys her job. And one day she goes in to clean a room and there is a dead body in the bed. But because of her autism, she notices everything. So she doesn't even realize it, but she's cataloging all the things that are out of place. And there are some definite villains in the story, people that try to make it seem that Molly might be the one responsible. And she does have a really hard time 
realizing when people are being dishonest and mean to her. And so part of you throughout this whole story, you're, you're kind of hurt for her because you want her to realize that these people are not being honest. They don't have good intentions. But then there are some lovely people in the story that love Molly. And so it's just a really interesting mystery with a protagonist, a main character that I think is completely different than anything else I've ever read. And one thing I really love about this character and about the way that Nita Prose wrote her is that she gives her a full emotional range. I think a lot of times when we see autistic people portrayed on television or in literature, they're always very wooden and fact-driven and, you know, like they, they always talk about, you know, they, they can't pick up on social cues and they, but I, I think we don't really delve into the fact that they have all of the same feelings as everybody else. So this character, Molly, she feels scared. She gets upset. She gets angry. She gets her feelings hurt. She feels everything that everybody else does. And I think the author does such a great job of showcasing that. So I cannot recommend this book enough. I just really loved it. And it's, again, The Maid by Nita Prose. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with me again this week. I appreciate it more than you know. Thank you for telling your friends and your family and subscribing and following on Instagram and leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts. It just means the world to me. If you'd like to find me on Instagram, it is super easy. I am at Resting Church Face. I hope you have a fantastic week and let's get together again soon.